morning.
a little too quick to make assumptions. Well, the gospel changes how we see people. It changes what's important to us and what's not important to us. And uh, there are two scenes in Galatians that I thought were very revealing in this. So if you want, you can open to Galatians 2. The first scene is that Paul, as a kind of a newbie to the Christian community, is going to meet Peter, James, and John. I mean, these were the, the main apostles, the pillars of the church. These, this, is, this is going, you know, the big leagues in the early church. Um, and Paul's a nobody at this point. You know, no way. He was a persecutor of the church. No one trusted him. Um, and Paul's going to go meet them. It'd be something like, you know, we're going to go sit down with Rick Warren, Tim Keller, Pope Francis, and Billy Graham. And you! How's that? You know? Um, or if that doesn't work for you, you know, let's imagine you're sitting with Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg, and if you were alive, Steve Jobs, people who have, like, changed the world we know today, and you! I mean, it's hard not to be starstruck. It's hard not to be a little, like, right? Just intimidated. I mean, in LA, this doesn't happen to me that often, but every now and again you get a sighting, you know, like, um, <laughs> and it's like, oh my, my wife told me how she was with some friends and they found out that um, Will Smith was just like around in the neighborhood. She didn't even see him, but it's like, oh, I was like in the same neighborhood. <laughs> didn't even see him, but it was just like, what, really? You know? like, I mean, that's how we're not even with, well, what if you sat down with Will Smith and a few other you know, celebrities. Well, that's kind of what Paul had. Second scene. Peter is, uh, he's been eating at the at the Galatian church with Gentile believers, because Galatia was a Gentile city. Uh, but then when certain Jews came to town, visited the church, it said like, it's like he took his lunch tray and, go, and went and sat with the Jews. Which to us might just seem a little bit rude, but in you know back in this day, in this cultural context, this was this was saying because fellowship eating with someone meant acceptance and relationship and like a bond. And Peter was saying, mm, no, not so much. And he went over and sat with the Jews to reinforce what had been the false teaching the Jewish that the Galatian church had been hearing, which was something like these false teachers to the Galatians. You know, Jesus was a Jew. Uh, and so if you're going to follow Jesus, who was a Jew, you should live like a Jew. I mean, how can you follow a Jewish leader if you don't understand that he was he was a Jew? And Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. All the disciples were also Jews. You see, this Jesus thing is a Jewish thing. And so if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, well, then you have to, like, be a Jew. You have to become a Jew. You have to honor the Jewish law. And in one sense, that doesn't seem entirely ridiculous, right? That makes a lot of sense, especially in the early church, before Galatians was written. That made a lot of sense. They were very confused. And the net effect of that was Gentiles were second class in the church. Because the first class were, well, the Jews, like Jesus, and the disciples. So you Gentiles, 
but you need to become like you need to become Jews. And so when Peter moved his lunch tray, it was a profoundly theological statement. Yet Gentiles are second class. Well, Paul enters the scene here, and he has a very different lens on these two scenes. Uh, Galatians 2, verse 6. When Paul meets Peter, James, and John, the big honchos of the early church, Paul writes, And from those who seem to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. Peter, James, John, uh, I don't know. They seem to be influential, but it wasn't a big deal. God doesn't show any partiality, you know. God doesn't go, oh, Peter, James, and John. Well, you guys come over here, sit over here. The rest of you guys go sit in the back. God doesn't do that, nor do I. You know, Billy Graham, Tim Keller, Rick Warren. Yeah, you know, no big deal. God doesn't, God is not impressed with Rick Warren or Tim Keller. God doesn't go, oh, damn, I really liked your book. God's not impressed, right? doesn't make any difference to God. And Paul says, you know, it doesn't make any difference to me. Why should it make a difference to me? Paul is not starstruck at all. I mean, it's almost rude the way he describes it. You know, they didn't add anything to me. I don't know why people make them such a big deal, you know. It's almost like he's belittling them, it seems. Then when Paul moved, uh, Peter moves his lunch tray, Paul recognizes what this is saying, theologically, the, 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 the statement this is making. And Paul is upset, right? And confronts Peter publicly. And he says, verse 14, I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. I said to Cephas, before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force a Gentile to live like Jews? Peter, you don't even live like a Jew. Why are you making these guys live like a Jew? And as we see throughout the book of Galatians, look, this Jewish thing, Gentile thing, like we don't have to think about those categories anymore. We don't make those distinctions. Now, Peter should have known better because if you recall, Peter had a vision in the book of Acts where bacon and pork chops and sausages all came down from heaven and Peter's like, I'm a good Jew, I'm kosher, I don't, I don't even touch that stuff. And God says in Acts 10, truly, I do not call unclean what God has made clean, truly. And then Peter says, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. That God was going to send the Holy Spirit upon Jews and upon Gentiles without Partiality. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. God will send his spirit on them all. Now pause and consider what this meant. Particularly to Paul. Because Paul was, as he professes, a zealous Jew. A Jew of Jews. A Pharisee. I mean, he was an expert in the law. right? He was circumcised in the tribe of Benjamin. And he was a Jew-Jew. He, was, he wasn't just... You have Jewish, I don't know, he wasn't just one of those. He was like a devout, devoted, zealous, law-keeping, Pharisaic Jew. I mean, he was banking his life on being a good Jew. This was everything to him. 
And now he says, Jew, Gentile, it doesn't matter. What? I mean, he, right? He spent his, he devoted his life to being as good a Jew as he knew how. He said, might as well have been a Gentile. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's like saying, you go to church every week, you tithe, you read your Bible, you pray, you give your money to the poor, you fast, and then you say, might as well have been an atheist. Might as well have been a pagan. Might as well have just partied up at the frat house and <laughs> college for the college guys. You know, for my, <laughs> might as well have, I don't know, just, why are we at a retreat on the July 4th? Like, go party, go have some fun. Like, why? It doesn't matter. No, I'm glad we're here. This is <laughs> It's like saying, you know, being a good person, trying to be fair, pay your taxes, recycle, you know, do all the right things, live green, you know, drive a hybrid. I don't know. Do all the right things. And it's, Paul says, you know, you might as well have lived a hedonistic, immoral life. It was a bomb to say, Jew, Gentile, doesn't matter. I mean, all throughout the Old Testament, God was emphasizing how Jews are distinct from all other nations. And now we say, ah, no, not anymore. What? What? How could you possibly? It, it exploded the way they saw their world. Uh, I think I said, oh, oh, and Paul says himself, right? He was a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Rubbish. Rubbish. There's something here that if you if you let that gospel, that part, that, there's something very threatening. There's something, at least I feel that way. Because as I said yesterday, I mean, what do you mean it doesn't matter? <laughs> what do you mean it doesn't matter? I've given my professional career believing it matters, you know, that, that I, I'm devoted to God and I, I study the scriptures and I proclaim the gospel and I, and I serve the needy and I care for those who are hurting you. What do you mean I might as well have just been a used car salesman and I don't know, you know, you're a used car, so that's fine. That's really, that's <laughs> but I, you know what I'm saying? Like, what do you mean that doesn't matter? What do you mean it doesn't matter to try to live a good life, an upright life? A spiritual life. What do you mean? You see, there is something about the gospel that requires a, a bankruptcy. There is a sense of loss. There is a death. It was an explosion for Paul, for the early church, to say, there's no partiality between Jew and Gentile. God doesn't see it that way. Now, I should make a caveat that in Christ, our good works do matter. In Christ, our obedience matters. Going to church, praying, you know, seeking, serving, loving. These do matter, but in ourselves, 
in our own self-effort and self-reliance. It's like Monopoly money. Yeah, yeah, like, like, you know, I I don't know if you played Monopoly recently, but the prices have gone up. Uh, (laughs) My kids, I know, because my kids have Like, you know, yeah, I have like hundreds of millions of, no, you don't. You don't have anything. That's nothing. It's nothing. Put it back in the box and it's nothing. Apostle or non-apostle, law-keeping or lawless, these categories no longer matter. And so Paul says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. These categories don't matter anymore. The church is to be a place where the walls come down. Those lines get erased. These categories get exploded. Now, it doesn't mean that there is no such thing as a male versus a female. No, there are, these, there are a Jew or a versus a Greek. It doesn't, doesn't mean race no longer exists. No, these exist. And we see that in Revelation, right? Every tribe and nation will gather. They, they still exist, but we don't place any value on these categories. We don't go blood type. A and B, people sit in the front. If you're O, sit in the back. Like we, don't, we don't treat people differently based on blood type. We don't treat people differently based on these. There is no partiality anymore. Now, today, we don't make a big deal about Jew or Gentile because well, we're all Gentiles. <laughs> you know, no need to. And we don't make a distinction between apostle and non-apostle because we're all non-apostles. So, but we have our own categories, do we not? We have our own categories. There's men, women. There's older folk and younger folk. There's Caucasian or Asian or Latino or African American. There's like LA versus OC. There's like Lakers fans versus Clipper fans. There's iPhone users versus Android users. You know, there's rich and famous versus not rich and famous. There's attractive, intelligent, and not as attractive, not as intelligent, you know. There are tolerant people, there are intolerant people, there are moral people, there are immoral people. I mean, we we have different categories. The problem is, not that we have categories, the problem is that we treat people differently according to these categories. Seeing people through the lens of the gospel means Learning to see things the way God sees them. And you can be sure, God doesn't go, all right, all the all the Lakers fans sit over here, and all the Clippers fans sit, like, God doesn't, right? He doesn't, all the Pentecostals over there, and the Baptists over there, and the Presbyterians over there, all the Reformed people over here, and the non-Reformed, and the truly Reformed, like, God doesn't, God doesn't, God doesn't you know, he doesn't, right? I don't think God cares about that. He places no value on those categories. And learning to see our lives through the lens of the gospel means learning to see it the way God sees it. To unlearn the way we see it and to relearn the way God sees it. So it doesn't matter to us if someone is rich or not. We don't discriminate how we regard such people. We're not overly impressed. We're not condescending. 
It, it doesn't matter. Blood type. It's blood type, you know? Uh, we don't treat hipsters any differently than uh, non-hipsters. Or we don't treat moral people differently than immoral people. We, these categories don't, don't matter. From God's perspective, I say from God's perspective, there's only, there's only two kinds of people in the world. By the way, some of the time I'll tell you a bunch of jokes our kids have about two kinds of people in the world. But not, there are two kinds of people in the world, or two kinds of beings in the world. There's God, and there's sinners in need of grace. That's all there is. Sinners in need of grace. Like we're, they're not, there's, the gospel is an incredible leveler, leveler of society. There are no highs, no lows, no superiors or inferiors. We're all in the same boat. And so we don't treat the mailman any less than the millionaire, the researcher any different from the rock star, the prostitute any less than the pastor. We are not overly impressed. We are not intimidated. We do not condescend. Well, what categories do you have? Because my suggestion is we have, we probably have different categories, the way we see people, the way we group people. Probably a little bit different. Because we care about different things. Our categories reveal what matters to us. When I was in Philadelphia, uh, I was a pastor of a church in Philadelphia, and it was really interesting because there was a Caucasian guy who invited his Jamaican friend to a predominantly Korean-American church. I thought that was, like, so cool, <laughs> you know? And then I found out that when the Jamaican guy came, his parents said, but aren't they Presbyterian? <laughs> <laughs> like, we have different categories, right? We care about different things. You walk into a house, and some of us are like, dang, these people are loaded, Wow. Others of us, they don't see that. They just say, what are all those golf trophies? Oh my goodness, he's like an awesome golfer. And others of us, we don't know that they just go, Harvard, Stanford? Wow, Harvard, Stanford. That's all you see. And then others of us, we just go, man, these people love Jesus. What do you see? What do you see? What lens, what filter, what category? Catch your eye. Catch your heart. How do you see people? What matters to you? I think for myself, it's like, I want to be a good person. Moral, upright. You know, righteous. I'm a, you know, do my homework, clean my room, practice my piano, and obey my parents. <laughs> Kid. <laughs> but not everybody, not every, that's not, that's not what everybody wanted, right? Um, other than us, it's like, I'm creative. I'm creative. I'm authentic. I'm popular. I'm funny. I'm sophisticated. I mean, what, what, what are the categories that matter to you? Because my guess is, again, if you consider the way you categorize yourself and others, it reveals what's important to you. And why are they important to you? Why are those things important to you? My suggestion to you is, is that these are the ways we try to justify 
ourselves. These are the things we use to say, see, I'm significant. I, I have value. I matter. This is what gives me dignity and worth. This is what distinguishes me from everybody else. Here's where I find my value. In other words, we can't just say, all right, no racism, no categories, treat everybody the same. You see, it's not as simple as that because there's something deeper going on. You get rid of one category, fine. We'll just create other categories because there is this massive self-justification project. So how do we change this? How do we change our categories? Well, how did Paul? How did it work for Paul? Consider for Paul in his younger years, he was a zealous Jew who thought that Jesus was a false teacher, a cult. This Jesus thing is not orthodoxy. He's a cult. He's dangerous. And so in his zeal to be a good Jew, he wants to get rid of the cult. This is hurting everybody. And so he persecutes the followers of Jesus, gets a warrant to address those in Damascus. And as he approaches Damascus, you know the story, he hears his voice, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? And then all of a sudden, Paul's whole world went belly up. Everything just got flipped around. Because that showed Paul he got everything wrong. Right? It, it exploded his categories. He thought Jesus was a false teacher. And then he finds out, no, Jesus is the resurrected Messiah. It's like, uh-oh. He thought that he was God's friend, getting rid of God's enemy, only to find out he was God's enemy, killing God's friends. Darn! <laughs> and then he found out that though he was God's enemy, killing God's friend, he was God's enemy, God loved his enemy. Everything got flipped around. What he thought was his virtue was his curse. And then to find out. But that doesn't even matter. God loves him. Anyway. Not because he kept the law. He, he kept the law. But his law keeping had nothing to do with his acceptance. In fact, his law keeping was, was his curse. His Jewish zeal was his, what made him God's enemy. And yet God loved his enemy. It, Flipped his world or everything that he was using to give him significance, condemned him. And then he saw God loved him as a condemned enemy. He didn't need a massive self justification project anymore. Because God said, I choose you. I call you. I want you. I love you. I accept you. You are mine. And then I think it was easy for Paul to say, you know what, none of this other stuff matters. <laughs> none of this other stuff, like, we've got this all backwards, upside down and wrong. None of this matters. It doesn't matter to God, and it doesn't matter to me anymore. 
we don't need these things to find our significance. God, God go, God gives us his grace and his adoption, love. We don't need these. Jesus plus circumcision? No. Jesus plus nothing. That's all we need. That's the only category that matters. That we have Jesus. And if we believe that, then from inside we can be free from valuing the categories that we value. And for creating a church, a new society, where the walls of racism and classism and prejudice and sexism, they all fall down. Because from inside, we don't need to see the world that way. We don't have to regard people that way anymore. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, oh, would you would you change the way we see our world, our people, ourselves, that we would see them the way you see them, and that you really don't treat apostles any differently than than children. You don't you don't treat Tim Keller any any differently than uh, than thieves on the cross who put their hope in you. You don't treat the rich any differently than the poor. You don't treat the reformed any differently than the non-reformed. And so, Lord, teach us to to see it the same way. Because we don't need these categories to give us significance. We have you. Free us from the inside and heal our relationships and allow our church to be a place where we can show the world there is a new society in Christ. In your name we pray.